Well, hello there. Um, as I said in my uh, uh, previous original piece this week, um, I'm just presenting um, an article I wrote about the recent Cineworld um, blasphemy kerfuffle. Um, so I shall read out that article, which is on the Free Speech Champions website, and that will be... Uh, my reading this week, so I shall just get into it. On the cowardice of Cineworld, or why religious bullying should have no veto over free speech. As chance would have it, I'm currently rereading Salman Rushdie's memoir, Joseph Anton. So when fanatical Muslims demanded and were fearfully given, the cancellation of a film they disapproved of, it felt almost ominous. More than 30 years after Rushdie, a British citizen, was sentenced to death by a foreign theocrat for insulting Islam, here we are again. The sensitivity of members of a certain religion is to decide the limits of free speech and of art. I have not seen The Lady of Heaven, but the complaint seems to be that it is a piece of Shia propaganda that demonises Sunni Islam, whose adherents make up the bulk of Muslims worldwide. Ironically, the Shia theocrats of Iran, spiritual descendants of the Ayatollah who hurled a fatwa at Salman Rushdie, have labelled the film divisive and banned it. And so, faced with a mob of zealots, not even of one religion against another, but of one sect of one religion against another sect of same, Cineworld announced that it has cancelled all screenings of the film. Will other cinema chains restore the honour of the industry? I hope so, but I have my doubts. The previous pattern, when cowing to Muslim demands for censorship, was to claim that it was done, regretfully, in the name of cultural sensitivity. Rarely was the real reason spoken, the fear of violence. Cineworld has broken with the Weasley tradition and, to its credit in a way, openly admitted the real motive for the cancellation, quote, to ensure the safety of our staff and customers. There we have it. Baying protesters will get their way if we are afraid that they might inflict violence upon innocents. I'm surprised this admission hasn't received more attention. After all, Cineworld is effectively saying that Islamic fanaticism is real, and something to be petrified of to the extent of bowing to blasphemy codes at that. The video of a Cineworld manager announcing to the mob of bigots that they have won is nothing short of astounding. Astounding and disgusting. In the modern West, we like to think that we have come a long way since the days of the Inquisition. We threw off with much sacrifice the tyranny of Christianity and decided that religion should have no right of veto over free speech or anything else. We decided that however offensive to the pious, speech and art should not be curtailed. But ever since Rushdie, we have seen this commitment to secularism weaken again and again. From Rushdie, all the way through Yilan's post in Charlotte Hebdo and Samuel Paty to this latest act of capitulation, 
religious tyranny is on the rise in the West once more. To be fair, whilst Islam is at the heart of most of this new Inquisition's impositions, Christianity itself, though fairly tamed by now, is hardly innocent. Never mind life of Brian. As recently as 2005, Christians in this country tried to use the old blasphemy laws against Stuart Lee's Jerry Springer the Opera. They too shrieked and protested because of the offence they felt. Herein lies an important point. Brendan O'Neill, discussing the Lady of Heaven case, argues that the religious mob has adopted the language and tactics of, quote, the secular cancel culture brigade. No doubt this moment of maximum sensitivity is propitious for such fanatics, but O'Neill gets things the wrong way round. Long before what we now call cancel culture, it was the religious who used the offence card to censor. Khomeini called for Rushdie's death, quote, so that no one will dare insult the sacred beliefs of Muslims henceforth. Similar language and themes go even further back, not only to life of Brian, but to the medieval Inquisition. Religious dogmatists have always insisted on being protected from offence. They are the past masters of this dark art. To develop the theme further, both religious fanatics and, for want of a better term, the woke, feel that dissidence from their views is an existential threat, whether to the prophet slash the faith community or to their very existence. You're literally erasing us! And respond by trying to destroy the offender, whether by beheading or by social ostracisation. In Joseph Anton, Rushdie tells a story from the Fatwa years. In 1990, a Pakistani film portraying him as a cartoon villain, a devilish apostate bent on overthrowing Pakistan's government, was almost refused certification because the British Board of Film Classification feared it was libelous, and that if Rushdie sued for defamation, they could be liable. Rushdie wrote to the BBFC, giving up his legal right of recourse because he did not want to be given, quote, the dubious protection of censorship. He wanted the film to be shown up for the, quote, distorted and competent piece of trash that it is. And so, the film was certified and quickly forgotten. Nobody bothered to see it. I quote a lengthy passage here because it makes an essential point. Note that Joseph Anton is written in the third person from Rushdie's point of view. Quote It was, for him, an object lesson in the importance of the better out than in free speech argument, that it was better to allow even the most reprehensible speech than to sweep it under the carpet, better to publicly contest and perhaps deride what was loathsome than to give it the glamour of taboo, and that, for the most part, People could be trusted to tell the good from the bad. If international gorilla had been banned, it would have become the hottest of hot videos, and in the parlours of Bradford and Whitechapel, young Muslim men would have gathered behind closed curtains to rejoice in the frying of the apostate. Out in the open, subjected to the judgement of the market, it shriveled like a vampire in sunlight and was gone. End quote. 
It would be amusing if the Lady of Heaven became such a hot video, secretly and gleefully watched by British Shia Muslims. Apart from anything else, do the protesters not know how ineffective such censorship is? As it happens, there are plenty of Muslims who would quite like to see the film and who are dismayed by the actions of their co-religionists. Why do we listen to the small in number but loud in volume voices of the latter rather than the voices of the former? Whereas the satanic verses and life of Brian had the defence of high artistic merit, perhaps we cannot claim the same for the Lady of Heaven. Regardless, none of the arguments for censorship is any more convincing. Is it divisive, trashy, offensive, sectarian even? Even if it is all of these and more, so what? To use the First Amendment test, there is no reason to believe that showings of the film will lead to intended, immediate, predictable violence. Unless one counts violence committed by would-be censors, of course, and that isn't quite the same thing. Above all, then, it is utterly essential that we oppose Cineworld's decision. How dare religious zealots presume to demarcate the acceptable from the unacceptable? How dare they hold free speech hostage in a sectarian dispute about ancient and quasi-mythological events? And how dare anyone capitulate to such breathtakingly arrogant presumption? It is time, once more, to stand up for secularism and to insist that free speech trumps religious sensibility. Here I stand. And there we go, that's that uh, for this week. And I hope you have a good rest of your week. Oh, pardon me. <clears throat> uh, well, I can't really edit uh, soundtracks uh, at all, really, so I'm just going to have to leave <laughs> that in. My yawn and any other strange noises and bumps that may have occurred uh, during the course of this recording. Anyway, that's all for now. Enjoy the rest of your week. Signing off.